Hello, and welcome to The Confident Commit, the podcast for anyone who's interested in joining the conversation about how to ship software better and faster. If you're looking to build a toasted ship, tune in less confidently commit. Oh. I'm your host, Rob Zuber, CTO of Circle CI, the industry leader in all things CI and CD. Thanks for joining today. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. It's episode 17 and the final episode of our first season. We've learned a ton this year, had a chance to speak to a a number of really, really awesome guests. And so I took the opportunity to go back over some of those episodes and try to find the the most interesting themes and and ideas that came out of all of that. So we're going to dive into a few of those themes uh, and then take some examples and, and talk a little bit more about how what we can take away from some of these uh, great folks that I had the chance to speak to. Unsurprisingly, the first theme that emerged throughout the season kept coming up over and over was the topic of complexity, how we're seeing it grow and grow in our industry today and all the things that we're trying to do to try to address it as we work. The first take on that, here's Ben Siegelman from Lightstep talking about just the science of the complexity that's increasing around us. I love the CNCF, but if you go to the CNCF's landscape and just just literally just look at it, it's the landscape of all cloud native technologies. And you know, over the past few years, since they started tracking that stuff, it's gotten to the point where you quite literally, even like in a retina display, cannot read a lot of the logos because there's so much stuff on the screen. So I think this is a great call out from Ben and just one of the examples of all the places we're seeing complexity emerge inside of our uh, inside of our process, inside of our tooling. And I think what's really interesting about the CNCF landscape is you'll see in there tools we're building to solve the problems and complexity of the tools we just built. And what that leads me to think about is the notion that this this all starts when you start introducing small bits of complexity. And so you should stay very focused on just the things that you need. And we got some great insight from Deepak G on this whole concept. I think there's maybe a lesson there in like, yeah. you know, if you're working at a place that's small, like live it up. It's awesome. Yeah. I know it can be scary, but like you learn so much in so little time. It's such a powerful crucible. And then as your teams get bigger, like don't lose that and mm-hmm. actually dedicate some energy and time to getting reconnected with that or advise some smaller companies, work with smaller teams, you know, just build that muscle back up because chances are you'll need it sooner or later. I think the key takeaway from that is we all tend to want to scale. We think about scale, we think about growing our businesses quickly, and we think about operating at larger and larger dimensions, I guess, in every direction in terms of the users we're serving, the types of systems we're building. And quite often we end up pulling in more complexity because we believe those are the tools that we need and the capabilities that we need in order to handle that scale. But the reality of the situation is if you can operate like you're small and think like you're small and hang on to that as long as possible, you have a lot more flexibility to move and adapt as the market is changing and really only take on those systems or any additional complexity when it's absolutely necessary. One of my favorites on this topic, and I don't even know if it's specifically tied just to complexity, but as we look at these landscapes of tooling and everything that's out there, and we often want the silver bullet solution to the problem that we have in front of us, Chris Richardson dropped this on me at the very end of an episode, and I thought it was an absolute highlight, which is that all of us actually still need to do the work. 
but I'll let you hear it from Chris. The, the solution that's applicable actually does depend on the context within which you're trying to solve the problem, right? So you have to know the context in order to pick the right solution. And then not only that is another key part of a pattern are the consequences of the pattern, which are not only its benefits, but it also has the drawbacks as well as the issues or sub-problems that applying that pattern then creates, right? Mm. So in any given context, there could be multiple solutions and each one has its own distinct consequences. And so in order to enable you to pick the right solution, you actually have to think about stuff. (laughs) So while it's great to think about staying small, limiting complexity as much as possible, there are places where you're going to have to scale. Assuming things work out well, your organization will scale, your technology will scale, your customer base will scale. And so unsurprisingly, we also had an emerging theme of scale and scaling effectively. And one of my favorite moments in that was when Kat Cosgrove highlighted how to do that as a specific or as an individual engineer. When I heard there was a way that I could both keep writing Python and never have to touch YAML again directly, I was, I was pretty thrilled. Um, we, we deal with a lot of YAML in Cloud Native. We yeah. derisively get called, you know, like YAML engineers and whatnot. So not, not having to deal with it directly. It still exists, you know, it's still, it's still there. It gets generated, but I don't have to touch it. Um, I'm super duper lazy, so I really love that. I, I am incredibly lazy, and I think being lazy is a, is a good quality in an engineer, actually. Kat later went on to talk a little bit about uh, the pithiness of using the word lazy and really that being a focus on being effective as an engineer, as a, as a developer, and the, uh, the value that you can provide when you're not held down by things that are, that are sort of just, you know, on the side or not the real value. And later, when we talked to Charity Majors of Honeycomb, she brought a concept that was similar, but at the level of the entire organization. Yeah, as a startup, you say you've got two innovation tokens mm. and you should spend them wisely on the right. things that make you different as a business. And then you should do the most boring thing possible for everything else. You know, you were asking about, um, you know, microservices earlier. And I'm like, if you, if you can get your job done with the lamp stack, by God, please do so. The problem mm-hmm. is the reason we're embracing all this complexity is not because we want to, it's because increasingly we have to in order to do what we need to do. Whether you're a startup or whether you're trying to build some new capability inside of a larger organization, staying focused on the things that really matter and where you can differentiate is a great way to deliver a high amount of value with a small amount of effort, well, maybe a medium amount of effort instead of a very high amount of effort. And boring is actually really helpful. Boring technology, boring tools, because people understand them. They know how they're going to behave. They know what's going to happen when something goes wrong. And they can deal with those and focus even more of that energy into where the innovation is possible. And then finally, when we talked to Nathan Mellis, we learned about uh, what can happen when you've been enabled with some underlying tools to go then innovate and the fact that we'll be absolutely surprised by by what happens. I don't know that we know how people are going to solve uh, these kinds of things. Uh, in fact, right now, uh, Monzi's running a, a hackathon um, 
you know, for over the next uh, month or so, because uh, we're interested too to see like, hey, if you make it, you know, really easy for people to use AI, what are they going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I think we're going to be uh, pleasantly surprised uh, at some of the new problems and, and new solutions that no one's ever thought about before, because, you know, the technology is available, it's cost effective, and it's easy to access, uh, you know, so you don't have to go to a big university or have to work for a Fortune 500 company, you know, you can do it in your, you know, in your, in your bedroom on your laptop, you know, in your spare time. So we spent a lot of time talking about, about scaling, about systems, about tools and complexity, And yet again, unsurprising, a theme that emerged from many of those conversations and some that went with it was about the people behind all of that. You know, we spend a lot of time in engineering and technology thinking about what we're building, uh, but it's absolutely critical to think about who's building it. Um, And one of the places we see that is as we build systems, we build them with systems of people. And Matthew Skelton showed up and talked a lot about team topologies and effectively how systems of people can be constructed in a way that allows everyone to be more fulfilled and deliver more effectively. So here's Matthew. Putting actual effort, so architectural effort, if you like, into decoupling teams so that there can be a faster flow. Yeah. So, so the, the short answer is typical flow metrics around flow efficiency and the, 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 those four key metrics from, from Accelerate and looking, to, looking for opportunities to, to turn blocking dependencies into non-blocking and really putting the organizational architectural effort into doing that decoupling is, is really, really key. And I, I think I've said this before in many episodes and probably in many other people's podcasts that I've been on because I talk about team topologies all the time. I love the way that... He thinks about um, systems and systems of people uh, because it, I think it speaks well to the way that we we think about design from an engineering discipline perspective. And so that's great. And I think it's a good transition then into thinking even more deeply about people. Um, and someone I know personally who does that super, super well is Brad Hendrickson, who showed up and talked about um, the personal narratives that we all have and what that says about how we show up and work together. I had a hard wake-up call to the cru- how critical it was to really think about my own well-being, but also the human element about how does what is my team dynamic really like? How are we really going to set things up to be successful for that group? So that was one of those places where like all that compression happens. You kind of learn the, learn the lesson the hard way of this really isn't the way for us to move forward. Um, and then starting to build new awarenesses about um, how do you want to be on the way forward. So for me, it was a lot about how do I want to work with my team? How do, I, how do I want to relate? How do I want to show up? Again, from the perspective of someone who has thought about this so much, really great to hear Brad not only talk about this conceptually, but talk about it in the first person in his own journey and experience and how he started to build these models around who he wanted to be, how he wanted to relate with everyone around him. Um, And we were also fortunate enough to hear from Andrea Goulet about empathy as a cornerstone, really, of the software development and delivery experience. So I noticed that there was already a lot of empathy. And then when you start to look at just software history, anything that has been built to make somebody's life better is rooted in empathy and compassion. So the whole reason that we have DevOps 
right? We had developers and we had operations. Hey, let's get them to work together and understand each other. Mm-hmm. That That's empathy, right? So absolutely love the way that Andrea ties these concepts together uh, from empathy into everything that we've always been trying to do and everything that we can do. And so as we, we wrap up uh, this season and think about what we want to get into next season, one of the areas that's really come out of this is the connection between people and systems. And in particular, um, how we deal with the outcomes of the work that we do and how we can all work together better um, and learn from the work that we're doing. One of the things we think about a lot uh, at Circle CI is is failure, but not in the negative sense, really in the the learning perspective. How can we take the things that didn't go to plan and build on top of them, get better every day, start stacking wins, and you know accelerate our own work. And so we'll be back in the new season to to dive into this subject with a lot of our guests. Really looking forward to it. Want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us all of this season. Thanks to all of the guests that we had. Um, it's been a really awesome learning experience. And if there's anything in particular you want to hear about, Hit us up on Twitter at CircleCI, and otherwise, we'll see you for episode one of season two.